may be seated. Good morning to all of you. It's great to have you here. Um, you know what? We, we all have different thoughts about what we believe church should be about and what church should look like. Everybody I've ever encountered, they have a different thought, whether they even go to church or whether they don't go to church. Um, everybody has a different idea, a different thought of what church should look like, what it should be. Maybe you've got some words in your mind right away. You go, well, this is what church should be, right? You might want to even scribble some of those words down and go, okay, um, you know, it's that word association game. I go, okay, church, and you automatically throw out what words, right? What would they be? So and why don't we go ahead, let's play that game together. Why not? I've never played it with this many people at one time. It's usually just in the confines of my car. So, okay, first words that come, come to your mind when I say church. One, two, three, go. See? You're all messed up. Like, nobody said the same thing. So either it can be more than one thing, or we're all, all but one of you is wrong. Right? And we go, okay, what, what is it then? What are those thoughts that you have about church and what should church really be? What should, what, what should it be for you today as you walk in the door this morning and you come to worship, right? Like we say that so convincingly, you come to worship, but maybe, maybe some people didn't come to worship. Maybe some came because uh, mom made them or wife made them or husband made them or they, maybe they came to serve. Um, and, and we've seen that before too where all of a sudden people call in sick and so instead of someone helping with babies the first hour, they help with babies the first and the second hour. Um, what is that for you? What, what are your thoughts of what church should really look like? Where does your vision of your ideal church come from? Because I think that's important to recognize as well, is that we all have these different thoughts about what church should look like and what it should be. But that comes from somewhere. That comes from somewhere. For the majority of people, it comes from the way that they were brought up, their upbringing. Not everyone, and, and we change that, we alter that as we mature and as we grow ourselves. But so much of what we do is simply based on what the predecessor did, our parents, maybe the church that we were a part of as a child. But where does your, where does your thought pattern come from? Where does your ideal church, that picture of the ideal church come from? What is it? And is it based on what you simply prefer? That's the number one rule, is that we always paint a picture of what a church should be based on our own individual preferences. That's one of the reasons I think it's so difficult um, to be a part of a church that is growing, because you all have what? Different preferences. Well, I want music to be this way. That's number one, like, big thing, music, Right? I want music to, to be, um, it needs to be with nothing but crazy drums. Like they, some of you think that Rob Hughes should be front and center right here every week. And just to watch him sweat. Right? Others of you think it should be nothing but, but piano. Right? And you start going, okay, where should it go? What, what is it? I know this, our music is just true to who we are as a church. And they do a remarkable job doing it, but it's not just even music. It's what you, a church may provide in terms of the ministries, 
Do they have this for me or do they provide this for me or do they have this over here for me? For some, it's preaching style, right? And that determines whether or not you uh, want to go to a church. And some people just really want to be in everything, just encouraged in who they already are. And I work really hard to be an encourager. It's not natural for me. Isn't that horrible to say? I'm a natural exhorter. Let's go. God's got more. God's got more. Did you know that about me? And that's how I am even in the raising of my children. So even in the raising of my children, I work really hard to encourage them because I treat my 6-year-old as though he's 12. I treat my 13-year-old as though he's 22. And I know that sometimes that's good, but sometimes that's not good. And I need to just simply encourage them and say, wow, you're amazing. Thank you so much for working hard to be devoted to Jesus. And so maybe it's preaching style. For other people, it's not only that. It's the style of building that they walk into. They, they simply can't walk into certain types of buildings. They, they can't force themselves to even do that. For others, it's the size of the church. You know, it's, for some, this is, they go, this is way too many people. And for others, they go, this is a really small church. I'll give you a, a, a relative view. Um, we're in 98 percentile in terms of size. So that means out of every 100 churches, we're bigger than 98. Because you hear about the few big ones, but the average church in America is 70 people. That's it. I think that deals more with their structure that they have than anything else. Because let me tell you now, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it's at the center of what they do, it's worth telling others about. Amen. Every healthy church to me is growing. Why? Because everything healthy multiplies. Maybe for you, it's personality some people want to come to church and they just want to sit and never be asked to do anything and when you ask them to do anything at all they will get up and walk out it's preferences everything I just said in some way form or fashion is a preference isn't it and so what determines that church that you're a part of and where you want to be? Here, here's one of the interesting things. So with uh, Wynn Arn is a consultant with Lifeway. Uh, possibly you've heard of Lifeway before. And this individual, they conducted a survey of just under a thousand different churches, going to all the people who ex uh, attend those churches and who are members in those churches. And they asked one simple question. Why does the church exist it's a good question, isn't it? Why does the church exist? So in almost a thousand churches with thousands of people responding to this survey, 89% of them, if you really, if you took all of their answers and you brought them down and you, you, you just kind of tried to make sure that you had a very clear summary of what the conclusion was, 89% they said this, the church's purpose is to take care of my family and their needs. I'm just going to move right past that. When they took all the other responses together, they also said that the role of the pastor is simply to keep the sheep in the pen happy. If you've ever been to Chapel Point before, you know how much I want to say right now. So... I'm going to keep going. This is where I'm actually looking at my notes. So I keep going. 
only 11% said that the purpose of the church was to win the world for Jesus. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that's roughly one out of ten. And those are people who go to church. Go back to the notes. The pastors then of those nearly 1,000 churches, they went to them as well, and they asked them the same questions because they wanted to see what was really taking place and what their responses would be as well. Again, this is Lifeway. They're doing this huge study, right? The results were the opposite. I thought this was really interesting. Well, the pastors surveyed, they believed, they said roughly 90% said the purpose was to win the world for Jesus. 10% said it was to care for the needs of the members. No wonder so many churches today have so much conflict and confusion. No wonder, when, when you don't even know what your purpose is and why it exists, right? In any healthy organization, you know what the purpose and, and the structure is because you know what you're trying to accomplish. If you, if you sell cars, right, if you own Toyota, guess what the purpose of your organization is? Brilliant. Makes sense, doesn't it? And somehow... The primary purpose and the primary message of the church has gotten lost. So in Acts chapter 2, Josh read that for you earlier in the service. I want us to walk through. It's one of the most popular passages that you can find. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, because we're gonna, it's going to paint a picture for us of what the church needs to be, what it needs to look like, because we want to go deeper in terms of understanding, and that's the series, we want to go deeper in terms of understanding who we need to be as God's church. Because the church in Acts, they were followers of Christ who were in partnership with each other. It's a word that we often use here when it even speaks about membership. We still use that word, but really it's partnership. Even uh, Paul would speak about, because um, these are words from Luke, okay? We need to know that. But even Paul would often speak about his joy and the partnership that he had with other people. Because they were in this together. If you have a partnership with someone, you're in the trenches together, right? And that's how the word of God speaks about it. And so here in the book of Acts, in this New Testament church, this is the, during Pentecost, we know Holy Spirit has blown in. We've preached about this the last couple of weeks, has done this marvelous movement. And all of a sudden, even Peter, he begins to preach at Pentecost. And right there, 3,000 people come to know the Lord. So this is right there in the midst of all of a sudden it goes, there's 120 believers and then they begin to preach and 3,000 more join them. Right after this, a couple thousand more join them and it just keeps going and going and going. And so in the midst of this chaos, that would have been chaos, right? If next Sunday they're out the door, we have nowhere else to put them, another 500 to 1,000 in each service, we're trying to, would you not consider that some form of chaos? Right? Do you believe that the message is worth all those people coming to hear? So 
so you think about that, and all the 3,000 people come. And as they are trying to figure all of this out, this is what they tell us about the church. This is what they tell us, is that it was really a community who linked arms together tight. I mean, they arm and arm, they linked arms together to walk forward with the mission that God had placed on their hearts. And so we know that the church in Acts was deeply devoted. We know that they were intensely generous. We know that they were unashamedly bold. And I keep saying those words throughout this series. Well, today, what we're going to really learn is how this church was so devoted. I mean, their devotion was so deep. It was the epitome of devotion in many, many ways. I'm only going to say, you should never have to convince the people of God their need, need together with one another. You should never have to convince the people of God their need together, together. And you're going to see that here. Why? Because you're going to discover a group of people who had biblical community. Biblical community. They were a group of people who recognized what God was doing and who God was, and they simply joined him. It was the New Testament church. They devoted themselves, it tells us Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. I'll hit some of the highlights. I know it was already read to you, but you'll see it pop up on the screen. It says in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, that they devoted, there's that word, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, and all came upon every soul, Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, worshiping is what that is, together and breaking bread in their homes they received the food with glad and with generous hearts praising God having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved yes it had just mentioned 3,000 people coming to know the Lord but here it says and day by day they just keep coming and we don't know those numbers but they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming over and over and over again And so here's some of the things that we learn about what it is to be deeply devoted as a church. And no matter where, maybe this is the only time you'll ever be at Chapel Point. Maybe you're passing through, you're visiting a cousin or whatever it might be. It doesn't really matter. Please take this from you. Take this in terms of knowing what you should be looking for in church and what a church should be running toward. And if they aren't running toward these things, I would tell you to run away. They were deeply devoted. And here's what they were devoted to. They were devoted, it says, to the apostles' teaching, which means this. They were devoted to learning. 
That's what I love so much about what we're doing with point electives on, on Wednesday nights. And we do most of our point electives, our, our Bible studying teaching. We have a couple of them on Sunday morning, but we do the majority of them on a Wednesday night because we don't have room for them on a Sunday morning. We have no, no, no other rooms for them to be able to utilize. And we know that that's a detriment. We're, we're fixing that. But you have to be devoted to learning. I, I want you to think once again what that word even means, devoted. Two weeks ago, I asked you, what are you devoted to? When you're devoted, that means you have a high commitment to something. When you have a high commitment to something, it means you're unwilling to release that. We don't know the word devotion because devotion doesn't mean that you simply give up on something when they don't do something you don't like. Right? Am I devoted to my family when my children do something I ask them not to do and then I tell them to get out and I never let them back in? Is that devotion? Yes or no? No. But for some reason we believe that we can do that so often in the church today because we have interpreted biblical community to mean something that they did not even grasp. That's why I love what we're doing with being devoted to even the learning of the Word of God. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but God could not have blessed us any more than by giving us Pastor Jim Jeffrey to help lead that charge. Amen? Because that's what we have to be about. You have to be committed, you have to be devoted. To that. And so they were devoted to learning. Another thing that we find out is that they were devoted to community. It tells us that they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The fellowship is their community. We think about the word koinonia, meaning fellowship, and we often fail to understand the depth of the translation of what that word fellowship or community really is. It's translated often as also sharing communion, also sharing with everything that you have. It's the partnership idea that we have coming together. Fellowship is so much more than coming together with a bunch of people every single month at the same time to to share some stale cookies and some old punch. Isn't that what churches made it so often? Oh, but we had fellowship. What was the purpose of that fellowship? To make sure that they... They keep coming to this church. That is such a poor definition of what the church is to be. I cannot tell you. They were not only devoted to learning, but they're devoted to community. Community, biblical community is a spiritual, a spiritual gathering. Why? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, everything should be spiritual. There is no separation. It was sharing the gospel with one another. It was partnering in the gospel with one another. It was praying together. Right here, a very simple way for me to explain what has happened with the church today in America is this. Is that God intended for these, this group of believers to come together and to know how to deal with the crisis of heart attacks and to share the love of Jesus so their hearts could be repaired eternally. 
And somehow in the midst of all of that, we have failed the ability to actually look at someone's heart as it's breaking, to introduce them to Jesus Christ so they could know salvation, which is eternal. And instead of dealing with heart attacks, we ignore those. And at the very best, we treat a sprained ankle. Right? Like if somebody right now is having a heart attack here and somebody runs up and, and trips a little bit and has a sprained ankle here, do you really believe I'm going to give all my attention to the person with the sprained ankle? No, my grace is going to come out of me and I'm going to tell them to suck it up and I'm going to give attention here. But that's the purpose of the church. It's not to take the easy way and just wrap it up because that's why the church is done. That's easy. We'll just make sure we rub their back and we put some tape on their ankle and say, here, let us help you to the car. And yet the person who doesn't know Jesus is dying. They were devoted to that type of community to do the hard. Why? Because Biblical community, biblical fellowship is to stimulate spiritual growth. Because that's what biblical community does. It serves to help each other, to spur one another along, to grow more spiritually. Biblical fellowship, biblical community is to stimulate spiritual growth. Many who choose not to live in community are choosing not to grow. They won't allow themselves to be spurred on. They won't allow themselves to be challenged in any way whatsoever. Everybody else is always the one who's wrong. And yet God gave us one another to sharpen each other. To help each other and say, hey, there, there's more here. That's what community can do. Over 60 different times, the phrase one another appears. One another over 60 different times, you can't do one another with a computer. People who only find biblical community on a computer screen or even on listening, right? You can't do one another that way. God intends for us to have partnership, to have biblical community with one another, It's to be relational because we're to share in the life of Jesus together. Chuck Swindoll, he wrote these following words, the popular words. I, I've, I've heard these for years and years and years, but I want to share it again um, because it, first time I heard it, it just stood out to me. This is what he says. He says, churches need to be less like national shrines and more like bars. Less like untouchable cathedrals and more like well-used hospitals. Places to bleed in rather than monuments to look at places where you can take your mask off and let your hair down places where you can have your wounds dressed and I think that the early believers the early disciples that's what they found church to be and as a result they were so attracted to it because of the devotion that they had to Jesus Christ the devotion they had to community so they were devoted, yes, to learning. They were devoted to community. Another thing that they were devoted to is they were devoted to love and commitment. They were devoted to love and commitment. And they put, if, if you read this, Acts chapter 2, it's so rich. In verse 45, it says, I'll, I'll start with 44. He says, and in all 
who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. As any had need. They put teeth to this notion of love and commitment to one another. Now what that doesn't mean is that they just all took everything right away, put it in one big lump sum. And this is not socialism. I've, I've been asked that before. Well, isn't that socialism? No, they were looking at the true needs. If someone didn't have food to eat, they were trying to help them, just as our church does that very thing today. Just as our church does that very thing today. We help people weekly in our benevolent ministry over and over and over again. And you're so faithful in giving toward that. We, since I've been here, literally tens of thousands of dollars have gone out in our benevolent ministry. And it's an opportunity we have. But what it does mean is that they were aware of the needs around them. And they first looked to minister to those individuals rather than to judge why they were in a hard situation. See the difference? How often do we want to first determine if they deserve what they have coming to them? Before we were willing to love them. They were devoted to love and commitment. You know, one of the things that the church actually did, I think we find in Acts chapter 2, we find this very clearly to me, is they, they fought against privacy. See, one of the things that happened along this journey of why so many people, it goes back to that, that Lifeway um, consultant, goes out, does all these surveys. One of the things that we've done in our churches today is we have privatized faith. Faith was never intended to be privatized. I've spoken about that numerous times. It was never intended to be privatized. It is intended to be personal. And they had this intimate community and commitment with one another. It was part of its power. And every day the church was growing more and more and more, adding to its number. They had this amazing devotion to love and commitment, being able to meet each other's needs. That right there, that's why we push our point group so much. Our point group is kind of like a small group. Here's what will blow your mind. is Almost 93% of our members are a part of a point group in some way. They have community with one another. That's nearly double the national average. Because we see the value and the purpose of having that community with each other. And how desperately we need it. Because healthy community can come alongside of you in times of desperation. And help you and lift you up. And in times when you are just running away from God. They can go, hold up. You're calloused. You're bitter and you're angry. Let us pray for you. Because right now there's something going on in your heart and you hold each other accountable that's part of community if you show me a community that has zero accountability I will show you a community that is not biblical and so they were devoted to love and commitment another thing they were devoted to is they were devoted to worship they were devoted to worship. And you're going, okay, where does it say worship, right? Well, this is what it's talking about. His day to day, they were even attending the temple together. That's part of the reason you would go to the temple. And yes, to learn, but to worship because learning is worshiping. Prayer is worshiping. Commitment is worshiping. It's worshiping the Almighty God. We know that worship is everything that we speak and everything we do every single day of our life. That's worship. And so they worship together. And it says day by day they were coming together. 
That blows my mind because day by day, they were coming together. That means just constantly because they knew that they needed each other in order to be able to be who God intended. So that's my struggle even as a parent. Is that knowing the devotion that they had, because here's the reason they saw such need of coming day by day. When the average person in America, right, they attend church 1.7 times a month. That's the average churchgoer. I don't know what it is here, but that's why we minister roughly, we think, fifteen to 1,700 people on a monthly basis. But so many people are in and out, and, and, and that's okay, and sometimes your job forces you to do that. But that means you must somehow be a part of a biblical community because God does not intend for you to simply live a spiritual life, which means, hey, I'm going to read the Bible, know about it some, try to make sure my kids understand the Word of God. You are cheapening Scripture. Biblical community, you have to come together because here, in the midst of persecution, people were just just throwing persecution after persecution after criticism on the people of God, and yet they were committed. They needed that support system. We need the church today more than ever in this nation. And we cannot do it alone. God does not intend for us to do it alone. And they were devoted to worshiping. Worship is very simple. Worship is, happens according to what you attribute value to. You always give precedence. Anybody does. I do it. You do it. We always give precedence to whatever, to whatever we attribute the most value to. And we need to give God his proper value. That's what the people of God are to do. Finally, they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Very quickly, we find it, even not necessarily in this passage, right at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, they're coming together, and the Lord tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And so right then, they went to Jerusalem. They gathered together. They're all going to Jerusalem anyway. Why? Because it was Pentecost. We know celebrating that harvest, but also the giving of the Torah to them. And so they're coming together for Pentecost, one of the three festivals. Remember this stuff, right? One of the three festivals in which they were required to go back home to Jerusalem. Right, to go back to Jerusalem, to leave their home. And so here, that's what they're doing. But the very first thing they did is they came together and they what? Prayed. That's why even today, you've already had four or five prayers probably laced and woven throughout the service. Because we think prayer is so much more than a token. It's calling on the power of God. And these individuals, they were devoted to prayer. And the life that you choose to live, the life that you choose to live reveals your belief in the power of prayer. So I I think it's so crucial for people to pray with one another, especially spouses. Because when you listen to someone pray, you also hear what's most important to them. Right? If something's going on with my wife and I and, and we don't seem to be clicking on all cylinders with one another, very first response we have is prayer. Because I'm going to hear in her prayer several things. I'm going to hear, first of all, what's important to her and where she is in her own heart. And it lets me know how to pray for her more and to encourage her. 
They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to worship. They were devoted to love and commitment. They were devoted to community. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to learning with one another. They were just simply so devoted. They were so devoted. Why? Why would they entrench themselves so deeply? Do you think that that is what the church today looks like? Don't answer. We're running toward it as hard as we can. We've got a long way to go. But why would they entrench themselves so deeply in something if they literally thought that it was just to make sure they got their preferences when they showed up somewhere? They wouldn't. They entrenched themselves so deeply. They, they found themselves so devoted to this because they recognized the call that God gave the church, which was to win the world for Jesus. If you are so occupied with winning the world for Jesus and you recognize the size of the harvest that is there and the work that is to be done, you don't have time for anything else. You don't have time for anything else. We're going to be preaching about this in a couple of weeks, but in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, 32 and 33. Now the full number of those who believed. Listen, this is so good. The full number, that means all of them. All of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to, them, to him was his own but they had everything in common. And listen to this, in verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony. With great power. Guys, let me tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing to be ashamed about when it comes to professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Do it with boldness. Do it with power. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And as a result, there was no needy person among them. And it tells us that more and more people were coming to know who he was. Why? Because they were so devoted because they knew what God had called them to. They knew that the church was a place for hope. They knew that the church was a place for grace. They knew that the church was a place for comfort. They knew that the, the church was a place for accountability. That it was a place for intimate community and fellowship with one another. They knew that the church was a place for, for power of prayer to come out within their life. They knew that the church was a place for everyone for everyone to come and encounter God. That's church. The church is you. And our lives 
should be a reflection of that. Nathan's going to come back out in the team, and as they do, I want to encourage you. I want to ask you to go home today and have the honest conversations of speaking about what you have made church, what purpose you see in church, and ask yourself if that's accomplishing God's purpose for the church. Right? Wow. Like, there are so many people who are just hurting. There are so many people in the church, guys, who are hurting. Some of you are hurting so bad and you're struggling to even find your way. The, some of the greatest news I can tell you, and some, some will go, I don't know about that, Joel. That, that doesn't make me feel all that much better. Guys, when you pursue God fully, you will have so much clarity in giving authority to the other things in your life that so much of that will be alleviated. Because you get so stressed and so worked up over a sprained ankle, but then when you start living to help people who, they're having a heart attack. And you see those lives being surrendered to Jesus Christ, all those other little nuances don't seem to matter. What are you devoting yourself to? What are you devoting yourself to? Jesus ascended. Uh, Pentecost, part of Pentecost means 50. So this is 50 days after his crucifixion and his resurrection. And they established themselves based on the teachings of Jesus. He still hasn't returned. So do you think our church should look any different? The answer is no. The answer is no. God, I come before you. And I thank you for your church. I thank you for the example. I thank you that you allow us to know who you are and all that you've done. God, may we be devoted to your church because we know that you choose to use your church to do marvelous, wonderful things. We know that you desire to use your church to be your vessel, your tool in going into the world, the nations, and professing your greatness. To be in intimate community with those around us because you knew right away that we couldn't pursue you in a world of hostility alone and so we needed one another 
And so many people today are resistant to that, which simply means God, so often you can't use them the way you desire because you know they can't handle what you really have in store for them without the community, the fellowship of the believers, the church that you've given to us. Thank you, God, that you are patient with us. Thank you, God, for your devotion to us, your children. In Christ's name. Let's.